0: This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Amen. Now, go ahead and mark in your Bibles, 1 Timothy chapter 3, we'll come back to that scripture, but we'll start off in 2 Samuel chapter Seven, Second Samuel chapter 7, and we started last Wednesday night on this particular subtopic under understanding authority. We're going to introduce you to the house of God, and we find that when we introduce you to the house of God, we're going to introduce you to authority, and I would advise you to listen attentively. Please get this. Don't let this pass you by. We're going to find That this is really The goodness of God towards you Uh, But pay attention Don't miss out on it Now 2 Samuel chapter 7 We're going to start Let's read through the first First 11 verses And it came to pass When the king sat in his house And the Lord had given him rest Round about from all his enemies That the king said unto Nathan the prophet See now I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwelleth within curtains. And Nathan said to the king, Go do all that is in thine heart, for the Lord is with thee. And it came to pass that night that the word of the Lord came unto Nathan, saying, Go, and tell my servant David, Thus saith the Lord, Shalt thou build me a house for me to dwell in? Whereas I have not dwelt in any house since the time that I brought up the children of Israel out of Egypt, even to this day, but have walked in a tent and in a tabernacle. And all the places wherein I have walked with all the children of Israel, spake I a word with any of the tribes of Israel whom I commanded to feed my people Israel, saying, Why build ye not me a house of cedar? Hadn't been my concern. Verse 8. Now therefore, so shalt thou say unto my servant David, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I took thee from the sheep code, from following the sheep, to be ruler over my people, over Israel. And I was with thee whithersoever thou wentest. And I have cut off all thine enemies out of thy sight. And I have made thee a great name like unto the name of the great men that are in the earth. I hope that you hear this. Let me put this in simplicity. While you were resting, I was working. That's what God was saying. You're here because I was working. Verse 10. He says, I'm not done working. Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people, Israel. And will plant them, that they may dwell in a place of their own, and move no more. Neither shall the children of wickedness afflict them any more, as before time. So he says, there's still more to come. In verse 11. And as since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel, and have caused thee to rest from all thine enemies, again, while you were resting, I was working, also the Lord telleth thee, I'm not through working, that he will make thee a house. That is so awesome to me. Now, we haven't gotten to, believe it or not, we really haven't gotten to the meat of this yet. But we're getting introduced to the house of God. And I want to make sure that you understand. it. That which is given to us is given to us on purpose. There's a reason why David goes through asking Nathan. Nathan says yes. And then it's recorded that God comes back to Nathan and says, no, you don't have the final word. I do. He's going to introduce us to the house of God, but first we get introduced to authority. Because remember, we said authority has the final say. And so it's on purpose. He puts this here so we can see, wait a minute, Nathan didn't have the final say. God had the final say. He's the authority. And so when we looked at this, we we looked at some scriptures in the New Testament, and we found two words. Well, actually, the word power is used in the New Testament as it regards authority. And there are two Greek words that we found. We found exousia, and we found dunamis. And hopefully you remember, exousia is the right to act. It is the authority to rule. It is the right to control. Whoever has the exousia has the final say. They have to sign off. It can't get done without their authorization. That's exousia. But then there's dunamis. We get our word dynamite. Its origin comes from the word dunamis it's not the right to act, it's the might to act it is the very power to act it is the might of, in, of force or enforcement and we said, we understood this now that, that we could possibly have the exousia and yet not have the dunamis we can have the final sign off but yet not actually have the might and vice versa, it's possible that we might have the might, you know on your job you know they can't get it done without you but you don't get the final say. So you can have the dunamis and yet not have the exousia. But I told you when we look in the Old Testament, we don't find such distinctions. And we heard, oh, I love this scripture. Once has he spoken. Twice have I heard this. All exousia and all dunamis, it belongs to God. You think you got something? No, it's borrowed. It's on loan. When all is said and done, it all is God's. I hope that you understand this. This is one of the reasons why I say sometimes we get a bit lazy with our speech, and it's understandable. You know, we want to be sharp with our words, so we throw authority around, but there's only one authority. Once has he spoken this. Twice have I heard this that power belongeth to God. If there's nothing else you got from last time, know this power belongs to God. All exusia, all dunus lies with him who is the creator. And I like that description in Ecclesiastes where the word of a king is there is power and who in their right mind is going to ask him what are you doing? We do that so much in the church we don't even recognize it. We're constantly asking God what are you doing? What, what is this about? That's why I say listen attentively. Pay close attention. Do not miss this. Now I want you to see, keep your ribbon there in Second Samuel Chapter seven. But I want you to see this in First Timothy chapter three. First Timothy chapter three. Now it is what it is. I'm just gonna drop you in verse fourteen. You can read the rest of First Timothy to see what he's talking about here. He says, These things. So we're not reading these things. But he's referring to the things he's already spoken, or already written. These things write I unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly. But if I tarry long, I've written these things so that you might know how you ought to behave thyself in the house of God. Wow. You know, I wasn't going to stop there, but I need to stop there and make sure you see this. There's a house of God. And there's a way you behave in the house of God. Wow. We'll come back to that. Trust me. Listen attentively. We'll hit that. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. He identifies for us the house of God right there. It is the church. And if, in case you have not been informed, if Jesus Christ is your Savior if He is your Lord if He reigns in your heart you are the church. So there's the house of God. And I want you to know again turn back to 2 Samuel chapter 7 now we're going to get into more of this. We're going to be introduced to the house of God here. In 2 Samuel chapter 7. And the reason I wanted to make sure that we pointed out Nathan's role in this to show us authority is that he introduces to us the house of God by first introducing us to authority so that we might know that the house of God is established upon authority. The house of God is established upon God's authority. Now, 2 Samuel chapter 7. Hmm. Let's start again at verse number 11 and we'll read through verse 17. So God says, And as since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel, and I have caused thee to rest from all thine enemies, also the Lord telleth thee that he will make thee an house. So we recognize he's speaking this to David. He's telling David, David, I'm going to build you a house. Okay. And verse 12. And when thy days be fulfilled, and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, I will set up thy seed after thee, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. You don't hear this, do you? Like I hear, it. God says, "I'm still working, and I got more work coming." And as far as building your house, I'm going to be the one doing the establishing. Verse twelve again. And when thy days be fulfilled, and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, I will set up thy seed. He's still working. After thee. I, this ought to bless your heart. This ought to bless your very soul. Some of you are laboring for what you do not see today, but when you go to sleep, someone's still working. So don't throw away today, because how you behave in the house of God today will allow Him to work tomorrow. And when thy days be fulfilled, and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, I will set up thy seed after thee. Again, I have to stop here. See, some of us are set up and we don't even recognize. We're not set up because of what we've done. Somebody else allowed God to work in their life. And we come after, they're gone, and we're realizing their benefits. What manner of people ought we to be? And when thy days be fulfilled... And thou shalt sleep with thy fathers. I will set up thy seed after thee, which shall proceed out of thy bowels. And I will establish his kingdom. He shall build an house for my name. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father. And he shall be my son. If he commit iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men. And with the stripes of the children of men, but I want to tell you something. My mercy shall not depart away from him, as I took it away from as I took it from Saul whom I put away before thee. In thine house, David, your house, and your kingdom shall be established forever before thee. Your throne shall be established forever. According to all these words, and according to all this vision, so did Nathan speak unto David. I can't. I really can't emphasize to you enough how earth-shaking an event this is. He gives, God doesn't always give details, but he gives, in my mind, a fair amount of details to David. And in giving the details, he's saying, David, I'm going to work to establish your kingdom and your throne. Oh, that's awesome. But what I want you to see, and what I want you to understand here is this. When he says, I will set up thy seat after thee, and he shall build a house. I will be his father, and he shall be my son. This is all about Jesus. This is all about Jesus. It's not about Solomon. It's not about Solomon. Uh, We'll touch on that going forward. But the Son is Jesus Christ. He is the Son. Can I tell you this? Can I just share this with you as well? This is what it means when, in the New Testament, when it says that God did things in mysteries in times of old. See, it's plain to us where we are. It wasn't necessarily as plain to them where they were. But I do tell you this, David understood. Not completely, but he understood. because he has an expectation that's been passed on to him. Wow. Let me me slow down. All right. So the son is Jesus Christ. The son is... David's going to have many children. And they're going to have many children. But there's only one who's going to sit on the throne. Understand this. And we'll come back to this. We may all be children... but we can't all have the same position. You know, I, I I don't know, I'll share this with you just because my mind goes here. One of the movies that I enjoyed was uh I can't even remember the name of it, but, but uh, you know, the the one with uh, Heath Ledger, he played the the Joker in the Batman movie. Some of y'all you like what are you talking about. Anyway, there was this one scene in here when the Joker's taking down all these other crime lords. And he comes in here and he comes in on this one crime lord and and he takes his men down, and after he actually does away with that crime lord, he has this pool stick. And there are like two or three men there on the ground hurting. He says, You know what? I am accepting applications. <laughs> Breaks the pool sticks, drops it, walks away, and says, But there's only one position open. <laughs> you see, there's only one position. There's only one who could be the son. There might be many children. But there's only one he's talking about here. And you might all be loved. But we can't all have the same position. Even when David died. Well, actually, even before he died. He had a son, Adonijah, who claimed the throne as his own. But the position was already spoken for. It was going to be Solomon's. It was already declared it was going to be Solomon's. And so when he got that position, I'm sure he's thinking, well, Daddy loves me more. I'll say this about God's house. No, no one is loved more than the other. But there's only one throne. And we're not sharing. (laughs) It's not being passed around. There's only one throne. Accept it. Now, the Son is Jesus Christ. He speaks of the house he's going to build David, the house of David. I'm just going to say it, and you're going to have to chew on it. Okay. I'm just going to say it, you're going to have to chew on it. Keep your ribbon in 2 Samuel chapter 7. Turn to Acts chapter 2. The book of Acts chapter 2. So the house of David is the establishment of David's throne. Take my time with this. The house of David that God is referring to is the establishment of David's throne by the bringing in of the king of kings. From the bloodline of Christ. I mean, from the bloodline of David. From the bloodline of David. Let me say it again. The house of David is the establishment of David's throne. By the bringing in of the king of kings from the bloodline of David. That's just awesome. Again, chew on this because this, this is a statement of truth. Search the scriptures. Study it out for yourself. You'll see this. The house of David. Here's what God is working to do. He's establishing David's throne by bringing in the king of kings. He was always going to bring in the king of kings. But he's going to build David a house when he brings in the king of kings. So he's going to establish David's throne by bringing in the king of kings by the bloodline of David. That's awesome. Acts chapter 2. This is why I am confident that David had an understanding of what God spoke to him through Nathan. Acts chapter 2. Let's start at verse... (laughs) Let's start at verse 24. And again, we're just dropping in in the middle of this sermon. You'll be all right. Whom God hath raised up, we know who that is. Whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. For David speaketh concerning him. I foresaw the Lord always before my face. For he is on my right hand, that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice, and my tongue was glad. Moreover, also my flesh shall rest in Hope, Because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with thou countenance. Now this is a reference, a quote from Psalm 16, which David wrote. And so Peter is saying, David spoke this. But he spoke it, verse 25, concerning him. So this wasn't about David, this was about Him. Who's him? The same one that God has raised up. Verse 29. Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing, what did he know? And knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him, that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He's seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. This Jesus had God raised up whereof we all are witnesses. Did you see verse 30? David knowing. So he understood this. You know... I'm just going to throw it out here like this, just because, just because I want to see once. That sometimes you know you run across scholars who know a little bit too much, and they trip themselves up with what they think they know. The reason I emphasize that's all about Jesus is because some scholars want to say this first about Solomon and also about Jesus. It's not about Solomon at all, not at all. But I know the scriptures that tripped them up. I know the scriptures that confound them. And maybe some of you out there know that scripture and you're saying to yourself, doesn't it say that it was Solomon all along? I'll tell you why. If you come and find me. If you want to know. Now others, you're like, hey, I don't know what he's talking about. That's fine. But others think they know some things. And I will reveal to you how in all honesty, you don't need books, you need the Holy Spirit. But it's all about Jesus. Nothing about Solomon. And David understood it was about the promised Christ. And so what's the house of David? He understood that God was saying, I am going to bring in the king of kings through your bloodline. They're going to have your name. They're going to have your DNA. Oh, and that's awesome. Oh, that's that's just awesome. Here it is. If you will, it's, it's almost like God gave him a eulogy before he left. And not just anybody, but God gave you a eulogy. <laughs> but how does that send you to your grave with hope, with great expectations, with confidence? Hmm. So again, 2 Samuel 7, we're going to introduce to the house of God. We want to make sure we understand the son who he talks about is the son, Jesus Christ. The house of David is God saying, I'm going to work to bring in the king of kings. But in that working, I'm going to bring him through your bloodline. Now, turn to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. So, God refers... this son who would build him a house. The son would build God a house. I'm I'm shaking my head because there are things in there I want to tell you, but I can't tell you because I need to make sure you understand some things first. Matthew chapter 16. Verse Let's start at verse 13. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I the son of man am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Don't you hear 2 Samuel chapter 7 in that statement? God said, He shall be my son. I will be his father. So Peter has this revelation. You're the Christ, the Son of the living God that was promised by Nathan to David. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. In other words, show you right. <laughs> show you right. Oh, wow. Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto you, also unto thee that thou art Peter and upon this rock look who's working I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it so he says you're right Peter I am the one that was promised to David that would build God a house but here's what I'm building I will build my church oh now we see 1st Timothy chapter 3 combined with this in our understanding and now we understand the house of God is the church. And this gets me, this is for the Father. Now here's the thing that gets me about this, this is why I was shaking my head about this. What gets me is that when we read 2 Samuel chapter 7, remember how I said the, the summary of it is God says, I'm working. Then we get to a point in 2 Samuel chapter 7 where He says, and the Son I'm promising you is going to do some work. Only two people are working there, God and the Son. And then I hear the Son say, the Father worketh hitherto, and I work. Oh, he just confirms it over and over and over again. See, here's what it is. What do we offer unto God? God says, I don't want what you can bring me because your effort means nothing to me. I'll do all the work. And then when my son comes, he's going to work just like the father. But understand what happened when God worked. David rose and David got rest. <laughs> Let me say this again. Understand what happens when God works. Puny man got blessed. Puny man had peace. Puny man got more... I'm sorry. Cunyman man didn't get what he deserved. He was blessed above what he deserved. And if God didn't work, we'd get what we deserve. So this house, God's house, the house built by the Son for the Father, It's not just a natural house. We understand that now. It is a spiritual house. But you should ask the question. And this would be a good question to ask. What is a spiritual house? What's a spiritual house? Well, I'll say this. Turn to Genesis. Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. Natural houses are spoken of throughout the Bible. And we're going to use the natural house to help bring us into understanding of what the spiritual house is. Genesis chapter 12. (laughs) Just one little scripture I want you to see. We've read it recently. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. There's a natural house written of throughout the scriptures called the father's house. Now, this is a direct reference to Abraham's father. Abraham had a father. And Abraham's father had a house. <laughs> now, when we talk about the, a father's house, it's not about the... When God says to Abram, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house. When he gets to thy father's house, he's not talking about a physical structure. We can understand that. He's not talking about literally just... Because if that was the case, then I could just move next door. That's not what God is saying at all. There's more to a father's house than where you physically dwell. We're talking naturally, so that we can start to understand spiritually. It's about the family structure. Okay? It includes... It includes... Wife children grandchildren -grandchildren, great-grandchildren in-laws all who are joined to the Father it includes everyone who is joined to the Father look at this about Abraham Genesis chapter 19 I'm sorry 17 17 circumcision Genesis chapter 17 verse uh, 23. And Abraham took Ishmael, his son, and all that were born in his house, and all that were brought with his money, every male among the men of Abraham's house. You hear that? And circumcised the flesh of their foreskin in the selfsame day as God had said unto him. And Abraham was ninety years old and nine when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. And Ishmael his son was thirteen years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. In the same day was Abraham circumcised and Ishmael his son and all the men of his house. You see, it's not just those naturally born to Abraham. It's everybody associated with Abraham. That makes up his house. All the men of his house, born in the house, and brought with money of the stranger, were circumcised with him. Even those brought with money of the stranger, those were included in his house. Why? Because they are joined together with Abraham through his house. We talk about the natural house. But we understand this. It's more than just the people. Stay with me now. When you talk about a father's house... I want to say it this way. We learn how to do things in the Father's house. There's a way we do things based on the Father's house that we come from. So when we talk about a Father's house naturally, we understand, yeah, it's about who's joined, but also more than just who's joined, we're joined more than just blood. We're joined in an order and in an alignment. This brings us to the understanding of the spiritual house, God's house. God's house is a house of order. It has a particular order to it. God's house, the spiritual house, has a particular alignment to it. Very peculiar order, a very peculiar alignment that is not found anywhere else, which makes it God's house. And nobody else's house. So there are people that are joined there, but there's an order, there's an alignment. Oh, let me keep going here's what the alignment includes we're talking about God's house here's the alignment it includes relationship it includes friendship I'm sorry fellowship I'll call it fellowship it includes relationship it includes fellowship and it includes authority There's a peculiar order. There's a peculiar alignment that is only found in God's house. And in this house, there's relationship, there's fellowship, and there's authority. Relationship. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called sons. The Bible writes to us, That we were predestinated to the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself. See, that's relationship. We're born of him. But then he goes on to call us friends. (laughs) See, a servant doesn't know what's going on in the house. But Jesus said, I'm telling you because you're not just servants, you're friends. There's relationship, there's fellowship, but don't get it twisted. There is authority. <laughs> there is authority. You know, if you got a sibling around your age, too close to your age, and they were left in charge because the parents were gone, don't get it twisted. There is authority. Why would you make them in charge? Well, where the word of a king is, there's power. And who in their right mind is going to say, what are you doing, Mama? What are you doing, Daddy? Why are you putting them in charge? But we take that attitude into the church. And Mama and Daddy may have tolerated it, but it does not go in the house of God. Honestly, what makes it Father's house is the authority. It's really what makes it Father's house. See, when I'm in my Father's house, I stick to the order in my Father's house. You've heard him say it. I don't care what they do. You're not in their house. You're in my house. You might change addresses, but the phrase stays the same. Because <laughs> it's not about the physical location. There's an order and there's an alignment. If you're going to be in this house, you've got to stay in order you got to stay in alignment. So I don't care what was going on at my friend's house. See, because their daddy didn't have the authority over me that my daddy has. (laughs) My daddy has the might of enforcement. (laughs) So if I do what your daddy says, and contrary to what my daddy says, I'm going to meet the dunamis power... It's aimed for the behind, but if you move too much, i will tell where you might get it, but you'll meet that might. So I stick with the order of my father's house, <laughs> regardless of what you do in your house. See, a lot of our tendencies, we pick up because we were disciplined into those tendencies. And that discipline came because we were in a house that had its own order. Where I could go, where I couldn't go. Some of you still can't go where mama and daddy said you couldn't go. Why? Because you've been disciplined to it. You got it from the house. Some of you still follow curfew. Get to bed at a certain time. Why? Because this has been disciplined into you. The clothes that you wear. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm I'm going someplace here now. See, because I'm still remembering First Timothy chapter 3. These things I write unto you, hoping to come unto you shortly. But if I tarry long, that you might know you can't act any kind of way in this house. Oh, my goodness. What we get mixed up with is we believe because we're sons, because we're children, we can get away with anything we want to. We do what we do and then say, yeah, but I'm a child of God, but we're out of order while professing. We're a child of God. And I hear I hear Paul say there's an expected behavior. Listen, you might claim sonship. You might claim being a friend, but are you staying under authority? Are you staying with the order? I'm sorry, I I just got to say it like this, right? So when you get a tattoo, is that the order of the house? I'm not really asking for an answer. When you get pierced in various places of your body, while you claim to be a child, while you claim to be a friend. Is that his order? You see, because there's certain things if I put on, I can just see my parents looking at me cross-eyed like I know you didn't. And I might say, but it's the latest fashion. Everybody's wearing it. My favorite artist is doing it. I'm just keeping up with everybody else. But that's not the order of this house. And I'm sorry, this gets me because I'm seeing it creep in more and more. Where we have put off God's holiness and put on the world's worldliness and then still claim to be children. Still claim to be friends. Let me keep going. I'm going to get to this place and you'll see. Now here's what you understand about the Father's house. Authority is settled. You get as mad as you want to. You might get crazy enough to say something that's audible. But you get knocked back into your senses. And, and, and here's what your senses say after it's all said and done. Why? It's settled. You can't do anything about it. You can leave the house. But you got some sense. Who's going to feed me? Who's going to put clothes on my back? Who's going to pay for my phone bill? <laughs> That's where we get we spoiled. Hmm, hmm, hmm. Authority is settled. You don't have a say in who has authority. We're talking about God's house. Power belongs to God power belongs to God. That's just the way it is. (laughs) Power belongs to God. And I know you got your opinions, but you don't know. You're just like that child in your parents' house Think you know better and you don't know anything at all. Years will teach you how stupid you were, how out of your mind you were. Years will teach you to thank God for the steadiness of your parents when you wanted to go buck wild. I know we have our opinions, but God is the authority. Whatever authority you think you may have in the church, the house of God, you don't have the authority. (laughs) You're not the authority, you're under authority. Whatever authority you think you have, you're under authority. Oh boy, if we could just take that attitude. If we can have that mindset. Instead of thinking I'm large and in charge and thinking, you know what, I'm under. And so I'm going to be careful, whatever I do, to make sure I stay under. You want to be under authority. You know, one of these things, I'm thinking even outside of the body of Christ, I always wonder, I would always wonder, why do people want to be in charge? I'd rather just have an assignment And do it. And there's peace of mind there. Because all I did was the assignment. But people want responsibility, they want names. And even in the church, we take that attitude into the church. So we take that before Christ attitude into the church, and we get a little title. We get a little name, and we think we're large and in charge. Think we can say anything we want to say, do what we want to do when we want to do it, but you're not the authority, you're under authority. And you want to be under authority. Under authority would be akin to being under a covering when there's rain. Being under authority would be akin to being under a covering when it's rain, when it's hailing, when there's a hailstorm. They were talking about what? Grapefruit-sized hail the other day? You want a covering. You want a sure covering. When you stay under authority... What you do is you secure your place under that covering. Because I'm going to tell you, the storms are going to come. And they won't be a half inch. <laughs> They're going to be flood measures. It's going to be severe storms. They're going to tell people to look for shelter. But you stay under authority, whether it's sunshine or rain, when the severe weather comes, you've got to cover it. You've got to cover it. Why do you want to be under authority? Because there are benefits of being under authority. Here are the benefits of being under authority. Dunamis is on your side. <laughs> when I'm under authority, dunamis is on my side. Remember what I said? If you would act out of character as a child in your parents' house, not liking what your parents tell you to do, and you get hurt, you will meet the dunamis of the house. And it will not be on your side. And it will hurt. But when you've done all that you've been instructed to do, when you've been the child that you're supposed to be, when you've stayed with the order, then there's dunamis that's on your side. That might is for you and not against you. Again, all these things naturally, we understand. Go and do the thing that your parent does not want you to do. And then ask them for something. You better pray to God you don't have a swinging parent. (laughs) Swing and explain themselves later. See, but when you stay under authority, then you have the assurance that your needs are met. See, don't stay under authority. And you have no confidence before your parents that your needs are going to be met. But when you stay under authority, there's dunamis on your side, needs are going to be met, and then there's provision. I, I, I like this. Provision might include needs that are met, but it goes beyond needs that are met. Just because. Oh. I'm, I'm sorry, I've got to turn here. Second Samuel chapter 12, is it? Second Samuel chapter 12, yes it is. This amazes me. This is our God. Now, here is after David commits his sin with Bathsheba. Verse seven. And Nathan said to David, "Thou art the man." He says you are the, the one who's done wrong to God before God. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I anointed thee king over Israel. And I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul, and I gave thee thy master's house, thy master's wives into thy bosom, gave thee the house of Israel and of Judah, and if it had not if it had been too little, I would moreover have given unto thee such and such things. David, if you just stayed in the order, if you just stayed with the alignments, not only would your needs be met, but there's provision beyond that, and I would have been pleased to provide you beyond that if you stay under authority. The benefits, dunamis on your side, needs are met, provision, wisdom. Wisdom, oh my goodness, wisdom, oh how we need wisdom. Let me tell you about people who make it to be old. They had to benefit from wisdom along the way. You that are young would do well to glean as much wisdom as you can so that your days might be long. (laughs) But there's wisdom provided. I don't know if we always recognize how beneficial and how profitable our wisdom is. And how hurtful it is when we don't give wisdom to our children. Now, I say that to this end. We ought to give wisdom, but when they act out of order, shop is closed. When I tell you to, but you do contrary to what I tell you to, no wisdom. And trust me, you will need wisdom. You will need wisdom. But that's the benefit of being under authority. You see, in your father's house, and I'm talking naturally now, your father might know some things that the next father doesn't know. Has insight that the next father doesn't know. Surely if anybody should benefit from that wisdom, shouldn't it be the people of that house? But go where I tell you not to go. Do what I tell you not to do. Hang with who I tell you not to hang with. All the benefits that you should have. It's like you're not a member of this house. Mm, 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 mm. Benefits of being under authority. Dunamis on your side. Needs are met. Provision. Wisdom. Protection. Protection. Where do you run in times of trouble? I'm talking naturally. Where do you run in times of trouble? If you've been under authority, you know you can run back to the house. You know you can go back to the house. You know you can share with them, you know, I messed up. I did wrong. I did did something I shouldn't have done. But behave yourself out of order. Behave yourself out of alignment. Oh, then you're afraid to go back. Wow. We're talking about there's a particular order. There's a particular alignment that belongs in the house of God if you stay under that authority. Because remember, it's not only relationship. It's not only fellowship. It is also authority. See, all those go together. See, when you stay under authority, oh, our relationship is, our relationship is going to be our relationship. But then our fellowship is settled as well. All is good when all those things are in order. When all those things are aligned. Then there's dunamis on your side. Then your needs will be met. Then there'll be provision. Then there'll be wisdom. Then there'll be protection. And I love this. Then there's peace. There's peace. I'm not sweating. (laughs) I'm not looking over my back. I'm not not hurrying to put something away. I'm at peace. See, you love a life like that. That's a life not being on the run. Not trying to hide things. Not trying to cover a lie with another lie. Not trying to cover up a sin with another sin. There's peace. Oh, some people are so used to living without peace, they wouldn't know what to do if they met it. <laughs> Something's wrong. Something's got to go on. Something's got to break. <laughs> someone has got to break in. But when you stay under authority, there's peace. That peace is order. Everything is right. Hallelujah. You want to be under authority. Look at this in Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. This is... What a house. Hebrews chapter 3. I'm, I'm trying to see which scriptures I can limit this to. Let's start at verse 3. We're going to read from verse 3 through verse 6. For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who hath built the house hath more honor than the house. Don't you hear Second Samuel chapter 7 in that? Just right there in that scripture. You see how, this is what I tell you. That's why I said last time, sometimes you run across scriptures and you, as a minister, realize, you know, I can't do this justice. I'm inadequate to teach this. Because when you see the thread of it throughout the whole of the scriptures, then you realize, oh, this is awesome. For this man was kind worthy of more glory than Moses. Inasmuch as he who hath builded the house hath more honor than the house. For every house is built by some man, but he that built all things is God. And Moses, verily, was faithful in all his house as a servant. Hallelujah. For testimony of those things which were to be spoken. You know what servant speaks to? Servant speaks to authority. At the same time, God also said, told Aaron and Miriam, How dare you speak against Moses? See, Because I don't fellowship with him like I fellowship with everybody else. I don't fellowship with him with dark saints. I fellowship with him face to face. See, because in this house, you've got you to take all three. You've got to take relationship. You've got to take fellowship. And you've got to take the authority. That's the order and the alignment. All of it has to come together. And Moses verily was faithful in all this house as a servant. He stayed under authority. For testimony of those things which were to be spoken after. But Christ as a son over his own house. Whose house are we? Now, I I want to stop right there and I want to make you think about this. This scripture is so lovely. We repeat it so often. But do you really think about this? Christ as a son over his own house. Christ as a son over his own house. Think about that again. Christ as a son over his own house. How does a son claim the house unless the father is out of the way. Certainly the son doesn't lay claim to anything until the father's gone. See, but there's a particular order, there's a particular alignment, and God is building a house here. The father didn't die, the son did. And when the son died, now this is something else. And when the son died, when he gave up his life, He comes back and he says, all authority in heaven and earth is given unto me. Wow, this is amazing to me. So in other words, God's plan all along was to bring in the Son, the Son to give his life, and then for for him to be exalted, promoted to Lord. See, the house is established upon authority. <laughs> oh, I love this. This is awesome to me. This really is. <sighs> I don't want to bog you down with it because we could spend some time talking about this, but this is amazing to me. He's a son over his own house. He's a son, but he's over his house. I know many of us wish we could work that in our in our day-to-day. I wish I could be the son over my own house. <laughs> No, you got to get your own house. <laughs> and you won't be the son then. You'll be the man in charge. But it only works this way in God's house. Wow. But Christ as a son over his own house. Whose house are we? If. 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 Whose house are we if. If means conditional. If means that you are not you are not owed a place in the house. If means just because you started in this house, act up and see if you stay in the house. Behave any kind of way and see if you stay in the house. But Christ, as a son. Over his own house, whose house are we if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end? Let me read that again. This is something else. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house are we? Remember, we are the church. We are the house of God. The pillar and ground of the truth. Christ as a son over his own house. Whose house are we? We are the church if we hold fast. The confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. Wow. He is saying, recall the former days. Recall When Christ found you. And remember the enthusiasm. Remember the joy. You were just happy to be in the house, you were just overjoyed to be in the house. You were delighted to be in the house. You didn't care about the rules. You didn't care about the regulations. Didn't matter to you who was doing what. Didn't matter to you no one had asked you to do a thing. You were just happy to be in the house. If you keep that same attitude, that's why I told you to listen attentively. If you keep that same attitude, then you're that house. But walk out of that attitude. Get out of that attitude. Now start questioning, where did this rule come from? Where does regulation come? Here, here, here's what we do. After being so glad to be in the house, then God says, "Here's the order." And you don't like the order, and you pack your bags and leave. That doesn't sound like the same confidence of rejoicing when He first found you. But you got to remember, there's a particular order. There's a particular alignment. And it all goes together. I'm telling you, as believers, we can't get caught up with the trade winds of this world. Because the winds of this world right now say, up and move wherever you want to move, whenever you want to move. And there is no room for God to say, stay settled. Stay where you are. We take it upon ourselves to do our own thing and then claim that we're members of the house. God's not kicking anybody out of church. You know what I mean by that? He's not making anybody leave. But you can be sitting there and not a member of the house. And when you're not a member of the house, you know what you don't get? You don't get dunamis on your side. You will fill those chairs and be frustrated. When you are not a member of the house, but a member of the church, it will be spoken, but you'll get no wisdom. You will find yourself with a lack of peace. And you'll say it's the church. You'll say it's that organization. But you left the house. You didn't stay with the order. You didn't stay with the alignment. So what's my recommendation to you? Let's find that order and stay with it. Let's find that alignment and stay with it. And learn from your father's house naturally. There are many days you were saying, if I could. But you had some sense. You stayed. You're behind there. And you benefited in the long run because you stayed with that order. You stayed with that alignment. What manner of believers ought we to be? I'm out of time. But God's not done, not by any measure. Stand to your feet. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.